Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? Restful. I like that. But awake, which is even better. Um, it's good to see you all. Thank you. Uh, I, because the display isn't on, uh, I will ask that our ears be especially perked up because there is so much goodness we are going to get from Psalm 144 today. And uh, before we go through each section, I will read it again so it can be fresh in our mind. First, I'm calling this sermon Training with the Rock. What comes to mind when I say Training with the Rock? Okay. I heard Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You know this guy. I follow him on Instagram. He's lifting every day, several hours a day. He's this generation's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Huge biceps. Successful wrestler. Successful football player before that. Now a successful actor. Now a successful producer. And he isn't just called the rock, but he goes to training every day in different areas of his life. Of course, there's another reason I call this training with the rock, because the scripture here uses that symbol to talk about who God is. God is a rock. Why is God like a rock? A rock is hard. A rock doesn't change easily. A rock is dependable. Now, I'm not just talking about a pebble. I'm not just talking about a stone or a piece of gravel. A rock has a, has a foundation. Jesus said, build your foundation on the rock. Dig down into the bedrock. That's the kind of rock we're talking about. So the psalm starts out, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Why does God, as a rock, help us train for war and our fingers for battle? Because a rock is constant. So our training needs to be constant. And as we see later on in this psalm, just to be clear, what we're fighting for, we're fighting for what God is fighting for. We're fighting for our freedom. Freedom from what? Down in verse 7 and 8. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Later on in verse 11. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. He doesn't just have something against foreigners. It's about falsehood. It's about lies. So what we're fighting against is we're fighting against lies. We're fighting for our freedom. We're fighting against lies that keep us from freedom, individually and together. So this is something we all want to fight for. And we train to fight for that because we see God as a rock, someone that's constant, someone that's dependable, someone that we can build our house upon, someone that we can build our life upon. In Psalm 1, it says that we can remain rooted, firm, rooted like a tree, a tree that's planted right by the river so that it's always getting fresh water. It stands firm. The day before eighth grade, 
I was with my friend, and we were walking along uh, the river by where I grew up in New Jersey. And there were little creeks as we were wandering around, little creeks, and there were wetlands, or like grasses, like three feet wide or something. And there was a creek about, I don't know, three or four feet wide, just wide enough that I couldn't jump across it. So I saw that it was muddy. And I just wanted to step across it. I, I wasn't wearing my better shoes that day, so I just wanted to step across it. And as soon as I stepped, I sank in three feet. I sank in up to my waist. That was scary. I could have sank in more. No one else was around me at that time either. My friend was like a quarter mile away. And I realized sometimes we think a ground is dependable, but it's not. God isn't sand, not ice, not dirt, not mud, but a rock. And are we depending upon the rock, or are we depending upon something that looks stable, but isn't? So we're talking about our offense, right? Who trains my hands for war? Who trains my hands for night? You know what you're good at, and you know it requires training. You know that in your job, assuming you have a job, this is something that you are better at than others because you've done it a lot longer. But we're not just talking about offense here. We're talking about defense. I'm going on into verse 2 now. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold, and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. Let me say these words again. Fortress, stronghold, deliverer, shield. What are all these words? These are military terms for defense. Am I right? Sometimes we think we don't need a defense, that we could go it on our own. We need a defense. That defense is the promises of the word, uh, the promises of God, the word of God, the community of God who is there for us, who is there to fight for us and pray for us and support us. We need a defense. But think about these words, fortress, stronghold, deliverer, shield. Are these places we go to to hide? Do you hide in a fortress? Do you hide in a stronghold? Do you hide behind a shield? If you are, you're not doing it right. We're not just there to hide. We're there to use it as a strategy to fight from. I know Captain America, he only has a shield, right? But he uses that as a weapon. He's not just hiding behind it. He uses his fists. strategic places to fight from, not escape to. You might have heard the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. Yes, they're safe because they have a defense to fight from. It's a tower. It's a strategic building. It's not just a tall building. So we go on. We talked about our offense. We talked about our defense. And you might be thinking, wait, 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 wait. Aren't there some times that God just wants us to stand still, to be still, and tell us that God will fight for us? And there does take some wisdom in it. I want to remind us of what happened during the Exodus. So Moses came up to Pharaoh 
And through after a series of plagues, Moses, uh, the Pharaoh finally said, go, leave, leave with the Israelites, don't come back again. Moses and the Israelites leave in the story. Then when they leave, they get up to the Red Sea, they get up to the Red Sea in front of them, they can't go forward. And then the Egyptian armies behind them, because Pharaoh changed his mind again, the Red Sea in front of them, the Egyptian, the Egyptian army behind them, and then God says, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. They didn't have weapons at that time. They didn't have defense. The Lord will fight for you. So, of course, this is the time where Moses, or God through Moses, parted the Red Sea. They went across, as the Egyptian army went across, the Red Sea closed in again. God saves people who are oppressed. But you know what? God didn't say that again. God didn't say that afterwards. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that God wanted to train them for war, and that's what they did. They became strong. So maybe in our early day, maybe we haven't learned yet, God will show us who he is. But God wants us to participate. He wants us to be part of that. What an honor. And it's, it's such an honor that we shrink from it. Because if you know the story, you know that God first called Moses. Moses said, oh, not me. I like being a farmer. Not me. I don't want to go back there to Egypt. They don't like me. I don't like them. And God ended up arguing with Moses, who was making a bunch of excuses. Four times, maybe four or five times in that story, Moses made excuses. And God responded with miracles. Throw that staff on the ground. It becomes a snake. Take it by its tail. Become a staff again. Put your hand in your garden. Oh my gosh, it's leprosy. Put it in again. It's I'll be oh, don't speak up, I'll be with your voice. Excuse after excuse after excuse. We're we're gonna revisit that in a little bit. But remember, God wants to use us. So we looked at our offense, we looked at our defense. Now we're gonna look at what this psalm is talking about. The fundamental questions of human existence. Okay, let me just make this simple. The questions that we ask ourselves, that we base our life upon, the questions of human existence, questions, when, when we talk about something that has to do with our existence, who we are, it's called an existential question, existential existence. So these existential questions that we build our life upon are, who am I? Who are you, God? Or if God even exists? What will I do because of that? And what will God do? We're going to look at these four questions today. Who am I? Who are you? What will I do? And what will you do? Now, based on who you ask, we have many different answers to all of these questions. And when, when these questions, when, when they, the answers we have to these questions are challenged, that is called an existential crisis something that's happening to the psalmist right now. So first, who am I? We go to verses 3 and 4. Oh Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man 
that you think of him. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Moses was saying to God, who am I? Who am I to do this? God's response is, who are you not to? Who are you not to? Now you come here to, to, to hear the word of God, and this is great. And I know God has spoken the word of God to each of us individually in our lives. We have a scripture, and that's great. But we know we each have our responsibility. And a lot of the times, we already know what to do. We already know what to do. We just don't want to do it. Because when God says, you're a somebody, we say, no, I'm nobody. We're the ones saying that. I'm a nobody. God says, you're a somebody. So I have a few questions for you. Let's explore that. Does your religion teach you that you are a nobody? Or that you're a somebody? Did your upbringing teach you that you are a nobody? Or that you're a somebody? Do the people you're surrounded with tell you that you are a nobody or that you're a somebody? Maybe we believe the lies that we're only somebody if we do this or have this or think this. We're somebody because God created us in the image of God. Can't forget that. When you hear who am I, what's behind those words? When you hear, who am I, do you think I'm a nobody? Or when you hear, who am I, do you think I'm a somebody? God made me a somebody. What's amazing is that when God called Moses, Moses said, don't use me, I'm a nobody. God has already spoken. And God wants to use us to fight for our freedom. For our own freedom. For freedom for others. Who am I? Now the next question is, who are you? Who are you, God? We look at verses 5 to 8. Bow your heavens, bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch them out so that they smoke. Flash forth your lightning. What we're fighting against, as I pointed out before, we are fighting against falsehood. We're fighting against the lies that keep us from doing what God wants us to do. To keep us from living, from living our restored lives. To keep us from dying to ourselves, to living to our new lives in God. And this writer knows he's been overcome by falsehood so much that he cries out to God, I need you to wreck my world. I need you to, to shake up the world so that I see. I need you to turn the mountains into volcanoes. I need you to communicate to me because there's something I'm not getting and I need to see it. I need you to flash forth your lightning. I need you to set the sky on fire because I need to see what I'm missing. I need to see this falsehood because I don't want to be overcome by it anymore. How much more can God do? 
This is who God is. Some lies we've been surrounded with our entire lives that we can't see them. They choke us. They blind us. They paralyze us. Even if we're able to hear or see where God is calling us, we're too wrapped up in the lies to take any movement forward. We wear our lies like a blanket. They bring us comfort. Sometimes we're like in between being asleep and being awake, and and we want to wake up, but sleep is just so attractive that that we give in. So here, here is a man, this writer here, realizes where he is, and he's like, I know it's so easy to fall back to sleep, but please wake me up to what I need to do. I don't want to revert back to my past anymore. Rescue me from the turbulent chaos like the seas. I need a rock to stand on, to depend on, to rely on. Okay, we looked at who am I. We looked at who are you. Now we look at what will I do. Because God will answer those prayers. God will lighten the skies. God will clear away for us to see. Because he will answer those who call upon him. He does reward those who seek him. God will part the Red Sea for us. He will show us the way forward. And what do we do in response to that? What do we do? The scripture goes on, verses 9 to 11. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp, I will play to you. Anyone here play a ten-stringed harp? Ancient times, ancient times. Who gives victory to kings, who rescues David, his servant, from the cruel sword... Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of the foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That's a repetition. It's like a chorus here. So I'll go back. I will sing a new song to you. This is our response because God is going to answer to us. God is going to give us that clarity. And when he gives us that clarity, that is an opportunity for us to take a step and move forward in that direction. Towards life. For ourselves. For others. To see reconciliation in our family and between friends. To see people get the care that they deserve. And we respond with skill. The psalmist here says, I'm going to play an instrument part because I know you answered me. Now that was the instrument he had on hand. I don't know if I've ever seen a 10 string part. Does anyone here play guitar? We looked at who am I. We looked at who are you. We looked 
out what will I do in response. And now what will God do? Verses 12 and following. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, granaries from grain, place where you store grain. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Blessed means truly happy, truly deeply happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Truly deeply happy are the people who listen to God, who fight against falsehood successfully, who see the truth and pursue it. Deeply happy are these people. Deeply happy is a community, is a society who does that. What are the characteristics of this society that God makes when we do that? It says, may their sons, may our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. Now it's possible that we could still be like saplings when we're supposed to be a, a big oak at that time. But how great it is to see someone who's young and who's mature. Someone who appears to be, have years of wisdom on them. This is what we want to see. When we follow God, we're going to have mature men. Men who won't act like boys. Men, men, sorry, boys who will act like men even better. Men won't assume whatever they desire they can have and whatever they want they can control. Instead of being like saplings, we, we men will be rooted oaks of righteousness, like the prophet Isaiah says. Also in this new world, we'll have a society that honors men. You won't be known as the worst thing you ever did, like happens now with our prison system. You get out of prison, it's hard to get a job, many states won't let you vote anymore, that's how it is right now. What does that do to a man's soul? Does that bring redemption? Thank God he is not like our justice system. No, in this new world, we build a road to recovery because everyone deserves a chance at redemption. We can live full lives. We don't need to be defined by the worst thing that we ever did. May our sons and our youth be like that full grown. It goes on. Our daughters, like quarter pillars, cut for the structure of a palace. Our daughters, like quarter pillars, cut for the structure of a palace. If you were to see the slides, you would see uh, an ancient an ancient building with many different columns, and each column was carved to look like a woman clothed in the attire of that time. Many columns. And it doesn't just say any pillar here. It says, may our daughters be like corner pillars for the structure of a palace. See, in this new society that God is building as new creations, women will be honored as the strength that they are. If you don't have corner pillars, building ain't going to last. Women are cut like corner pillars. They are strength. Women are strength. 
The devil wants to attack your strength. You are strong, women. When God said, when God looked at Adam and said, I need to make a helper suitable for him, that same word helper is used later in the Psalm, Psalm 2. It says, God's my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So the helper, it's not someone who's like a babe, it's someone who's a strength. God is a strength to us. Men. Then. Women are the strength to us men. and need to be recognized as such. Corner pillars in a society. The writer goes on, May our granaries be full. May our sheep and cattle keep bearing. Okay, maybe we can't relate to that too much because we're not in a farming town. But then it goes on, There will be no quiet distress in the streets. What will we be like as a people live so that every mouth is fed, so that we recognize that those who have, those who have not, rather, work as those who have. This is the society that God is building, that we will love and care for others as we care for ourselves. In creation, in creation, when God created man and woman in the image of God, the scripture never says, in the images of God. It says, in the image of God. Why is that important? Because humanity is created in the image of God. We collectively, as a whole, are created in the image of God. So if we're exalting ourselves and not exalting others, we don't get the image of God yet. Get the image of God when we understand that I can only receive when my brother and my sister receive. So, are we going to commit individually and as a whole to fight for freedom, to fight against falsehood? And to fight for this vision of a new society. This is the society that God is bringing about. These are the people that God is bringing about. People free from falsehood. People pursuing freedom for themselves and others. Mental freedom. Physical freedom. Freedom from lies. Freedom to walk forward. And everyone who is disadvantaged will be cared to and attended to by the community. So let me summarize here. What are we fighting for? Freedom for all of us. Amen. What are we fighting against? Falsehoods. We're fighting against lies. Do we need a defense? Yeah, we do. The promises of God are our defense. Do we hide behind our defense? No, we do not. Defend the fight. Now our existential questions. Who am I? I'm somebody. Who is God? God is the one who exposes falsehood for us when we call to him. What do I do when I see God act? I praise God with my skill. I praise God with how he has made me. And then what does God do? 
God restores humanity. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for what you have done for us today. Thank you, God, for uh, giving me a clear voice. Focus. Thank you, God, for your with ears to hear. Thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit working. Thank you, God, for who Jesus is. That Jesus, as God, became a man to be with us, to show us how we can live as whole humans, fully restored in the image of God. Thank you. And I pray that today, um, just as the word of God, when it's scattered on the ground and the birds can come and eat it up in that parable, that what we have heard today will take root, that these seeds will take root, that we would encourage each other with these words, and that we won't forget the kind of lives that God wants to bring us into, because it's so easy to forget. We thank you for this victory. We thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you for being our steadfast rock. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.